Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The first law enforcement agency in the country to use Amazon's facial recognition technology was the sheriff's office in Hillsboro, Oregon, It happened almost by accident. All it took was one guy uh, who works in a little cubicle at their headquarters. Drew Harwell writes for The Washington Post. He met up with the developer who built all this software. I mean, it was effectively just him building this giant surveillance machine with very few kind of best practices to guide him. This guy, his name's Chris Adzema. He was a techie started in the sheriff's office to design an iPhone app to track inmate behavior. And a few months back, he caught this annual conference Amazon was holding for web developers. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chief Executive Officer of Amazon Web Services, Andy Jassy. If you watch this meetup, it has the feel of a corporate pep rally crossed with a TED Talk. You're here with 43,000 of your peers there's another 60,000 plus in the live stream. For those of you and the big unveiling that year was recognition. It's Amazon's facial recognition feature. And Amazon sort of was advertising this to developers as, "Hey, here's something new you can try." So you could imagine programming the camera with uh, computer vision models where if you recognize a license plate coming into your driveway, it'll open the garage door. Or you could program it to send you an alert when your dog gets on the couch. They had all these kind of amazing, sort of creepy ideas. And law enforcement was not one of them. But this guy, Chris Adzema at Washington County, he thought that would be great for us. We have all of these mugshots of people um, who have been arrested in the last decade and a half. Uh, It would be lovely to be able to scan all of the surveillance video that we get in and see if any of those people match up against our mugshots. And so all it really took him was a couple weeks of work and a couple hundred bucks, and he had pushed the sheriff's office onto Amazon's server and into this facial recognition destiny it's living in today. You said it was like the police kind of got superpowers when it arrived. Several of them said that. You know, before they would fax or email photos around of people they were looking for. So say, you know, if a store gets robbed, they'll get photos of the suspect on their surveillance cameras. They'll send the footage to the deputies. And then it's a game of guess who. So now deputies can just go on this internal website, upload that footage, and out pops this answer from the machine. I mean, a couple of them said it was. It felt like magic. Who's regulating how these cops use this? No one. Uh, I mean, themselves, pretty much. There's no federal law governing facial recognition. 
What's happening in Hillsboro? It's happening really fast. So fast that today, Amazon shareholders are meeting to decide whether to scale all this back. At the same time, in Washington, the House Oversight Committee is considering whether cops who use facial recognition are going too far. I called up Drew Harwell from The Post because it feels like we're in the early days of some new and important tool, like fingerprinting or DNA analysis. The fight over regulating those tools still isn't over. But the fight over facial recognition is just getting started. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we go any further, just a quick note of disclosure. You know, I also should mention that the owner of Amazon also owns the Washington Post, which is my employer. Um, not that that affected any of the reporting I did, but yeah, I just have to, I should mention it. So what's the best case scenario for the use of this technology? I mean, you were in this town in Oregon that uses it. Like, what's how does it work well? I think best case scenario is you get some surveillance footage, you put it in through recognition, out pops a photo of a mugshot, and there's a very clear resemblance. The suspect is, I don't know, wearing the same T-shirt, and there's a pretty clear lead where deputies may not have had it before. They still are expected to find the evidence to prove it. They're still expected to find probable cause, but they have a start. They have an idea on, on which to build on. Worst case scenario is that they take that footage, they run it through the system, out pops some potential matches, including one that maybe sort of looks like the suspect, but maybe not. And that person is arrested. And maybe the deputies misconstrue other evidence and end up bringing that person in and charging them with a crime that they didn't commit. So worst case scenario is a misidentification that leads to a false arrest, that leads to a potentially dangerous situation, potentially leads to an innocent person going to jail. Yeah. And I guess the other danger is that you're just always looking at the usual suspects. Like if you're always looking at your mug shots, you know, you're always looking at the same people, the same people who are more likely to be arrested for all kinds of reasons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is just a way for deputies to do often what they do already, which is go to the usual suspects. I mean, thinking about the data set here, it's just people who have been arrested since 2001 and have had their photo taken. So if this is your first time doing a crime, recognition is not going to find you. On the flip side, if you were arrested but you hadn't done anything wrong, we're innocent, we're never charged, your photo is still in the system, and you're that much more likely to come up in the search down the road. And so maybe you get brought in a second time just because you had the bad luck of of looking like somebody who had been caught on camera doing something wrong. And to be clear, I mean, I'm sure you've heard these stories. I read a story just this weekend about, you know, 
here's a police officer in Pennsylvania who was looking into the sexual assault of a 15-year-old and would not have found the perpetrator without facial recognition. And I guess that's the argument for it, that it's going to find people you wouldn't find otherwise. Yeah, and that is the deputy argument. I mean, before this technology, it was a potential crapshoot. And really quick, how does this technology work? Like, I'm just picturing it like a movie where I'm looking at some surveillance footage and then, you know, it spits out a name like that. Is that how it works? Pretty much. It's sort of funny seeing the website that they've built, though, because it's really bare bones. Like some of the cops sort of expected like this would be this amazing kind of CSI, very Hollywood like scan, enhance, you know, like the computer doing all the work. It really just looks like a GeoCities website from the 90s where there's, a you know, an upload button. They take the photo that they're looking for. They effectively drag and drop it onto the website. The The real sort of computer labor happens on Amazon servers where it's kind of scanning one photo against hundreds of thousands in, you know, a matter of milliseconds. And once the deputy uploads that photo, they get five potential matches back from those mugshots. It doesn't say, hey, we definitely think it's this person. It doesn't even really say we're sort of confident or not confident or very confident in the results. It just gives you five potential matches. And then the deputy is expected to say, okay, this is our guy. This isn't it. We need to keep looking. Since Hillsborough started using facial recognition from Amazon, how many other police departments have started trying it out? We don't really even have a good idea of how many police agencies are using Amazon's facial recognition system. The company has only given us a few examples. Only a few sheriff's office and police departments have admitted that they're using it. You know, effectively, they know how it looks, right? They know that people are creeped out in some ways by this technology, rightly or wrongly. So we know that, you know, there's kind of a a mystery of, of how often this is being used. But we know from the last several years that not just Amazon's facial recognition feature, but lots of other sort of surveillance contractors, government contractors have built similar systems. And there's been some research by some folks at Georgetown, actually, too, that found up to 50 agencies across the country, including the FBI, including the NYPD, had used facial recognition in some way. In some cases, it was, you know, we're trying to find a fake ID or somebody who's sort of fraudulently stealing people's identities. We can use facial recognition in that way. But in other cases, it's been cameras in a public square gathering data, looking for wanted fugitives. I mean, you know what I thought when I heard about Amazon's technology? It's called recognition with a K. And I was like, why do we have to make the name sound evil? <laughs> like, it just sounds like the Terminator. It's funny because a lot of these tech defense national security names end up being very sci-fi inspired, right? And it, it's sort of funny that like reality is starting to mirror what we've seen in movies for the last several decades. It also sort of reflects like the conversations that the tech developers and companies like Amazon have about this technology are really in a different world than the ones that privacy advocates and civil liberties groups, the ACLU, and and some of these sort of tech critics have. Tell me about that. Yeah, for them, it's all about these larger questions of 
holy crap, we have this technology that is imperfect and can lead to misidentification, can lead deputies to false arrests, is, you know, sort of proven inaccurate, proven in cases, in some cases, to be biased based on stuff like skin color. You're talking about the advocates when you say that. Yeah, the advocates are worried about that stuff. They're, they're worried about these larger social issues and, and how this technology can kind of exacerbate some of those problems. But for the tech side, it's really about what this technology can do. They feel like some of these social quibblings are edge cases, right? They, they may, you know, happen 1% of the time. But if we're able to use this technology to find missing kids and find bad guys and save deputies time and that sort of thing, maybe it's worth it. Well, and I think like it, you, we don't know how many law enforcement agencies are using this or even really how they're using it. We don't know how good this stuff is working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the transparency around this is nil. It's it's super opaque. Some research around facial recognition has found it to be fairly inaccurate in lots of different cases. And even if it's perfectly accurate, there's still the worry about maybe we don't want our faces scanned when we're out in public. And your reporting is interesting because you paint this picture of this alliance between police departments and Amazon, where part of the reason why the company is so excited that police departments are using their new facial recognition technology is that it's helping the AI learn. It's getting better and more accurate. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. These systems learn faces by looking at millions, bajillions of them, effectively. That's how they pick out the differences between, you know, the width between the eyes and how someone looks when they're grimacing. I mean, all the different little micro expressions and little ticks that we have in our faces. I mean, that's that's how the AI learns. And so uh, when it was found out that Amazon was offering recognition to police agencies for like a couple bucks a month, which is just like an insane price when you think about all the money that public budgets spend on technology. They probably spend more than that on a walkie-talkie every month. You know, the, the idea is that if Amazon can get this into lots of different public agencies, get lots of people pouring in mugshots or surveillance photos, then the system is going to be that much more refined. So, you know, Amazon poses this as like, hey, this is a good thing. We're getting more accurate. We're able to identify anybody. All of these issues of bias are potentially going away because we are feeding in more and more images into the machine. And yet for some people, you know, a more accurate surveillance box is not it's not reassuring to them, you know, like for them, the the accuracy worries are just one tiny element of these broader concerns of, you know, big brother. Yeah, it's interesting because you're talking about two concerns that are quite different, which is one that this is not accurate. And then how accurate do you actually want it to be? Yeah. And because there's been some research that found the facial recognition services do better on white guys effectively. I mean, they they process lighter skin better because that's the majority of the data they've been trained on. Uh, when research came out about that last year, you know, it was, it was pretty embarrassing for some of the facial recognition technologies. And so some of them came back and said, hey, we're actually, we've been focusing on putting a lot more diverse images and, and data sets into our system. We're now more accurate for lots of different skin colors. And then, you know, the worry became, well, holy crap, like, you know, these are 
technologies that are being currently advertised and pitched to ICE, you know, immigration agents, DHS, you know, are these concerns quickly shifting into, are we building a machine that could help police immigration, police the border in ways that we're we're not really interested in either? Yeah, this report came out last week that sort of described how individual police systems are using this technology. And they just had these crazy stories. They described how in New York City, there was a perpetrator of a crime. The police were trying to find him. They, they couldn't really get a clear shot at his face, but they thought he looked like Woody Harrelson. So they just plugged Woody Harrelson into the police recognition, facial recognition system, <laughs> which you wonder, what is that teaching the system? And they eventually found someone and you wonder, is that just the person who's Woody Harrelson's doppelganger or is that actually the person you wanted to arrest? Yeah, exactly. So in this case, I mean, the guy's potential only crime was being born looking like Woody Harrelson. Right. And so it is this experiment, but it's operating with none of the controls of an actual experiment. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. There are no real controls, and we don't really even know exactly what can go wrong. You know, you focused on Amazon's technology because they have been particularly aggressive in marketing what they're what they're selling. Can you talk about that a little bit more? There are other government contractors, tech firms, sort of an alphabet soup of other companies that don't really have a ton of name recognition. And they will pitch their products to local law enforcement. The difference between what they're doing and what Amazon is doing is often those systems take a lot more of a technical infrastructure. The police departments will need their own servers. They may need their own sort of engineers. In Amazon's case, if you're a police force, you may already have an Amazon Web Services account. Amazon Web Services is like one of the most popular cloud computing services companies across the country. Lots of the modern web is built on the Amazon cloud. And so you may just be able to effectively hit a button and start using recognition today. Um, if you're already there. So that was a really alluring sales pitch that Amazon could make to some of these police forces. Have they played down warnings about facial recognition technology? That's my understanding that Microsoft and Google have been more conservative. Yeah. Google right now does not sell a facial recognition technology that is able to be used like that, even though they have some of the best AI in the world and they have all sorts of other similar tools. Microsoft, for their point, they have said that there needs to be a stronger government regulation of this technology. And even the president of Microsoft has come out and said, like, this is something that is too dangerous for us to police ourselves on, right? And, you know, Amazon has been a lot more reserved in their criticism of facial recognition. They've sought to defend this technology against all comers. And yet, you know, the pressure is building. Amazon has a shareholder meeting today. And I gather you expect that this is going to come up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's two proposals on the books right now that all the shareholders will be expected to vote on. One would kind of commission this independent report to just see how recognition could infringe on civil liberties, could affect the business. The second would 
actually institute a ban on Amazon selling recognition to any government agency unless the board can assert that this will not pose any kind of privacy or civil liberties violations. So both would add extra oversight onto Amazon, and one could potentially stop the company from selling it outright. How much power do these shareholders really have? Because it strikes me, you know, Amazon actually has recommendations about how you use their technology. But a town like Hillsborough, the town you went to, they're just using it the way they want to use it. They sort of redesigned it to work for them. So how much can the shareholders control what Amazon does here? I think they don't have a lot of direct control, but they have a certain amount of symbolic power. The fact that we're talking about it and shareholders are voting on it is, I think, a win for them because they're moving this from being sort of a fringe concern into something that the company has to go out in public and actively defend. What happens if the shareholders win? Like, what does that mean for Hillsborough? That's a great question. These proposals are non-binding. So Amazon could go on their merry way if they wanted and and keep offering recognition. A, A lot of people sort of expect that's how it will play out. But you can sort of game out the possibility that maybe Amazon says, it's just not worth it anymore. We don't want to keep fighting this battle, at least until there's some clear regulation that we can abide by. In that case, it would be potentially disruptive for somebody like the Washington County Sheriff's Office. They would either have to find some other facial recognition contractor to do what they've been doing, which wouldn't be technically impossible, or they would have to go back to the old way where they'd be faxing and emailing photos around and hoping that somebody recognized the person at any given time of day. Well, it sounds like this could slow down facial recognition technology, but it definitely couldn't stop it. I mean, I I looked at last week, San Francisco voted to ban facial recognition technology use by law enforcement. Is that the solution here? That ban in San Francisco was a symbolic victory for critics of facial recognition. You say symbolic. Why isn't it a real victory? San Francisco police were not using facial recognition as far as we know already. They had tested it for a number of years, but they weren't actively scanning. You can still get your face recognized or scanned in a business in San Francisco because the law doesn't affect anybody but sort of city agencies and city police. You could also potentially get your face scanned at the San Francisco airport because there's totally different laws governing air travel. And DHS wants 97% of people's faces to be scanned within the next four years if you're traveling outside of the country. So maybe this technology isn't imminent. Maybe we shouldn't just all prepare to have our faces scanned on every block that we walk down, right? Because there is a potential legal legal framework here to, to rein it in. But also, you know, there's a concern that the toothpaste is out of the tube on facial recognition. It is so cheap. It's so technically easy to turn on. And it's so unbound by law that it's going to be easier for people to turn it on than for critics to push back and get it turned off. I'm so glad you brought up the airport example, because I was at an airport going through customs just a couple weeks ago. And I realized that part of coming back into this country now means getting my picture taken and assumably matched up to a picture that's somewhere on the Department of Homeland Security's database. It just seems like this is all happening 
really suddenly. Yeah. And you didn't get some news alert that, hey, we're going to start scanning your face every time you you try and fly to Barcelona. But that's just now the reality for for what it's like when you're going through the national security machine. And so, yeah, I think that is like a surprise to people. And we need to know what the hell this technology really does before it's everywhere and it's too late to turn it off or, or, or to enact real laws that can make sure it's, it's used in the right way. Drew Harwell, thank you so much for telling me more about this. Thank you. Drew Harwell is a technology reporter at The Washington Post. He specializes in artificial intelligence, big data, and the algorithms changing your life. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. While you're hiding out from all the cameras looking to capture your face, you're going to need some podcasts to listen to. So if you're not subscribed already, subscribe to this one. While you're hanging out on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, write us a review. It helps other people find the show. All right, thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.